This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. It's Friday, February 16th. I'm Chris Herding. Today, we're bringing you the second installment of our Black History Month special series, highlighting Black entrepreneurs across diverse fields every Friday in February. In this episode, we'll hear from Ariel Johnson, the first and only Black woman comic book store owner on the East Coast. But first, the headlines. Nicholas Cruz, the 19-year-old suspected of a mass shooting at his former high school in Parkland, Florida, has been charged with 17 counts of premeditated murder following Wednesday's tragedy. Another 14 students were hospitalized with bullet wounds. Disney Marvel's Black Panther movie, which is led by African-American director Ryan Coogler and a predominantly Black cast, has become the most tweeted about film in the world this year. Before hitting theaters, it gained more than 5 million tweets. And 14-year-old Taylor Richardson from Florida raised over $15,000 with her GoFundMe campaign to send 1,000 girls to see Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time. When asked why she chose the film, she said, quote, it shows young Black girls deserving a chance to be part of the sci-fi cultural canon. And now, here's the news you won't get anywhere else. Nerd culture is slowly but surely becoming more inclusive, and Ariel Johnson is at the forefront of this effort. Two years ago, Johnson opened up her own comic book shop called Amalgam Comics and Coffee House in Philadelphia. And in doing so, she became the only black woman on the East Coast to own a comic book store, and one of just five black comic book store owners in the whole country. Amalgam has become a community hub that champions diversity, creating a welcoming space for women, LGBTQ folks, and people of color. Here's Vice's Gary Cook and Nakia Swinton speaking with Ariel Johnson about her shop. Ariel, great to have you here. Hi, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your store. What makes it so unique? Amalgam, which opened its doors in December of 2015, is a comic book store and coffee shop hybrid. It also acts as a community space in the neighborhood, hosting organized events as well as meetups or uh, serving as a meeting place for individual like private groups and things like that. So it, it's become um, really like a community hub in a way that uh, I don't think other comic book stores have have uh, historically been seen or used. You know, usually when you think of a comic book store, you think of it as a place to go to get your books. But Amalgam, you know, goes a step beyond that and is a, is a community space where you can buy your books, you can hang out, you can get into conversations, you know, you can pull out your sketch pad and, and work, pull out your computer and work and things like that. So it's, it's really serving as, as a community hub. How did you first get interested in the comic book industry? My interest in the industry uh, first started with my love of comics. I got into comics by way of Storm of the X-Men, 
Uh, I was introduced to her through a cartoon series, um, and it was my desire to know more about her as a character and her powers and just being a member of the X-Men that, that brought me to comics because I knew, you know, that X-Men and Storm were, were comic book creations. You know, they, they're, they existed in comic books first. So if I wanted to know more about them, then it made sense to kind of dive into that world. It really just kind of took a hold of me. And the thing that made me kind of see the potential of, of making that, you know, a career path wasn't intentional. Um, you know, I, I went to school for accounting. And so I assumed that that's, you know, what I'd be doing as I moved into adulthood. But during my high school years, uh, I had a routine of going to um, my local comic shop. Across the street from the comic shop was this really dope coffee shop. And I really enjoyed that space. And again, I used it as a community space. It was where I would just go, I'd get a hot chocolate, I'd sit and just read through everything that I purchased for the week. And it was, it, it felt good to kind of geek out in public. You know, I, it's not even that I was necessarily talking to other people, but just to be able to kind of enjoy what I loved in public. I feel like being a comic book nerd, you know, is something you do in the privacy of your own home, or at least, you know, it was 10 years ago. And especially when you're um, a woman, when you're a person of color, you know, people kind of have assumptions about you and what you should like and what you shouldn't like. So sometimes it's just easier to keep those interests a secret so that you don't have to deal with, you know, people just being rude or dismissive of, of something that you're passionate about. Uh, and what happened is the um, the coffee shop ended up closing just as the, the neighborhood that it was in continued to develop and, you know, rent started to go up and the, the owner uh, made the hard decision to, to, to close the shop. And it was the loss of that space that really gave me the idea for Amalgam. Um, and then, you know, it, it would take me 13 years from that point to actually open the store. So, of course, it developed. And, you know, as I got older and, you know, had... Um, like evolving viewpoints and understanding of, of comic books, its place in history, culturally, um, especially with, uh, you know, non-traditional fans, you know, uh, people of color and women and, and just folks that aren't usually represented in the comic book medium. You know, I started to see that, uh, that Amalgam could be, you know, a place where, again, those who wouldn't traditionally be accepted in those spaces, it could be a, a place for those people as well. So I know you just kind of mentioned that the comic book industry hasn't really been particularly inclusive to people of color, women, or LGBTQ people, and you're kind of doing your part in changing this with your shop. What do you think other people are doing to change this as well? Oh, I mean, I think the the internet has been kind of the base of operations for change. It's like, first of all, People who look like me and, um, again, those who are, have not traditionally been included in, in this comic book world were more easily able to find each other now. You know, so there are groups for, for queer geeks. There are groups for black girl geeks. There are groups for you know, POC geeks. Like, like we're able to kind of join forces and, and be a collective. Um, and so now that we are able to reach reach our audience, reach people like us. It enables people to do more. So I think that's part of it. Um, you know, of course, the, the creators, we can't forget because they they are working to create, you know, stories that that they are passionate about, stories that represent their communities. And it's from their own voice. So, again, not waiting for Marvel or DC to decide to write a story about 
someone like me. It's like I can write my own story. And again, I think the Internet has been a huge factor in why things like that are able to happen because people are, you know, are, are launching Kickstarter campaigns to fund projects and, and people are supporting them because, again, these are the projects that they want to see. So that's how it's working on the creator side. And then from the retailer side, so folks like me who, you know, have a, a understanding of what it's like to be in a group, again, that's not um, represent well and so making safe spaces so for people to come together and purchase books and talk about books and even to come into a shop and see different you know different books like most comic book stores of course you go in there you see marvel you see dc you see image you see dark horse but those independent shops that are, are really working to showcase the full range of, of the human experience you know, those shops, you can go in and you can find stuff that you can't find in other shops. Like I've, I've definitely had people come into my shop and say, you know, I've been looking for this book everywhere and no one has it. No one even knew what it was. So I thought maybe I try here. And so I'm so happy to come here. And not only did you know what it was, you actually have it on your shelf. So I, I think that's, you know, all those things are working together to change the narrative and the landscape of what being, you know, a non-traditional quote unquote geek looks like. As a comic book fan myself and a black man, I definitely have found this really great community with the internet and just sort of seeing that change has been incredible. It's been awesome seeing those independent comic book creators begin to make the work that they want to see and the work that, you know, make the comics that they really feel a part of. And it's interesting to hear you talk about the the more sort of like quote unquote traditional comic book fans and they're sort of almost an outrage talking about, you know, oh, comics are becoming too political. But in my opinion, the best comic books are the ones that are political. They're the ones that don't shy away from this sort of content and this sort of, you know, discussion. Yeah, I I always think that that's a cop out. It's like really what they're saying is I feel like now um people are in my space that I don't want to be in my space because it's not, it's not anything new. It's like comics have, have always been political. You know, they're always drawing from, you know, what is happening in the world. I mean, you think about X-Men, X-Men is about a group of, of people like, you know, they are human beings, but they're different from the majority of people. And so they're dealing with persecution. They're, they're dealing with being um, segregated in society and, you know, left out of positions of power and, and decision-making to have some agency over themselves. And, you know, X-Men is about civil rights. And, and so again, it, it is, especially in the original form, like if we're talking about the original team of X-Men, again, I think the reason that those, you know, quote unquote, traditional fans are able to still relate to that story is because even though we're talking about people who are different, they're all white people. But it's like, but you could really think about that as, you know, the civil rights movement for black people in this country. It's like, you know, we are fighting for our rights in the same way and, and pushing back against, you know, the societal norm that tells us we are less than like it's the same thing. But again, you know, it's like this convenient separation of things and people want to act like, oh, now that you see a brown face or a Muslim face. Now, all of a sudden, it's too political. It's like it was always political. But again, everybody looked like you. So it was fine. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned Storm before, too. 
you know, Storm's influence in X-Men has definitely been, I feel, a very prominent uh, element in that. Are there any characters within within comic books themselves that you feel any sort of personal connection to? Would you compare yourself to any comic book character? I don't know if I, I would compare myself completely with another character, but there, you know, there are definitely characters that I, you know, like for different reasons. You know, Storm has been a role model for me in a lot of ways. And I always say like, I like, I love Storm, but I wouldn't want to be Storm. Um, you know, she's somebody that I look, I look up to. I feel like I don't have, you know, the, the level of self-control that she has to be able to wield that much power and wield it responsibly. But I can look at her and there are things about her that I aspire to be. You know, that's true of, you know, different, different characters for different things. You know, Ned Stark, though it didn't serve him well, um, like, you know, his <laughs> his love of uh, and, and dedication to to justice and doing the right thing. You know, I'm, I'm definitely justice minded. You know, I don't think I'm Ned Stark. I don't think I'm Storm. I don't think I'm Wolverine. But there are things about their characters that I definitely see in myself. Um, and, you know, there are things about them that I don't see in myself and maybe want to see in myself. So, it, you know, it's kind of inspires me to be to be better. Given the the idea of seeing yourself in, in these characters, let's talk about Black Panther. Let's talk about this movie. It just came out. This is a movie that is culturally historic it seems you know this is a film that is black directed it's got black writers it's got a predominantly black cast and it is dripping with this imagery of different african cultures what are you the most excited about for this movie i mean just that it is it's going to exist the thing about this movie the thing about wakanda as a nation an african nation that has not been colonized. So their their history has not been interrupted like the rest of Africa's history has been interrupted by European invaders and people dividing up their land based on how it suits them, not the people who are indigenous to it. So they, they are people who have a completely intact sense of self. They are people who are in control of their nation's wealth. It's like they are in control of you know, their their history, like what what they teach their children, the cultures and language and faith and everything that is passed down. Again, none of that was interrupted. It is 100 percent them. So to see these black people, especially on the continent of Africa, because um, especially with film in general, you know, but, you know, I especially think of like American media um, and the American, you know, America's Hollywood when we see films about Africa, it's still from this white perspective. It's, you know, this this white person going into this dark continent and and taming the savages and stuff like that. So, again, you you are in the place where that belongs to these people and you have no respect for the people. Um, and with Wakanda, that is not an option. It's like, you know, they are governing themselves and there is no white input or, you know, even foreign input in, in their affairs. Um, and that, that's not in Africa we've got, gotten to see before. And that's not even a side of blackness. I feel like we've gotten to see. It's like we do, we're existing in a black universe, usually in the context of blackness. It's blackness against a white backdrop. It's, you know, how black people are operating in the midst of white supremacy, in the midst of like white majority and, you know, white economic power and things like that and how we have to move within that framework. Well, we, we're not getting that with Black Panther. It's like this is 
a Black universe, which is is very different. I do feel like this is the first time that we're seeing anything like this. I'm also looking forward to seeing Black Panther, which I think a lot of people are. How would you describe the relationship between comic books and the Black community now versus maybe 10 years ago? And what's your vision for the future? It's a misconception that Black people reading comics is is new. It's not. Um, It's like we've always been here. But again, we've been in the shadows, if you will. And and again, I think it's the Internet that, that has given us more of a voice to kind of let people know that, no, we're here, we're reading these stories, and we want these stories to reflect us too. And so that was always the sentiment, but we didn't necessarily have the collective power to do that now that we do because of the internet. So I think the the only difference between 10 years ago and now is, is uh, just the power of the internet and the tools that we have to connect and, and make our voices heard. So where can people find Amalgam Comics and Coffeehouse? Uh, well, Amalgam Comics and Coffeehouse is located at 2578 Frankfurt Avenue in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Amalgam Philly. That's A-M-A-L-G-A-M-P-H-I-L-L-Y. Uh, and you can also visit our website, AmalgamPhilly.com. And there you will uh, see you know, information about the staff, information about the store. Uh, you can go there to see what a, what events we have planned in our community. And uh, if you want to reach out to us to contact us for any reason, you can do that as well from the website. To learn more about Ariel Johnson, go to vice.com. And don't forget, we're doing Black History Month specials every Friday, all month long. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And see you Monday for another Vice Guide to right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.